Genesis chapter Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. For more information about First Baptist Church, can be found at www.fbcalamogordo.com. Uh, the uh, the promise of God uh, and to, to perpetuate a people and uh, so as you're as you're turning to Genesis 20 really quick let's let's recap so we looked at creation uh, we looked at that God is the author of creation he created everything that we see and, and that's echoed really throughout the scripture into the New Testament um, and and as the the creator is the author he gets to set the rules uh, we saw that he he set everything he created everything good and that lasted for a whole two chapters before Adam and Eve um, decided to go their own way. And that led to sin, to this brokenness that, that really explains uh, why we, we experience life the way we do. Why we experience things like, uh, like pain, like death, um, even down to um, why, why we look at the world and go, man, this, this just doesn't seem right. And, and the the, the cry of the Bible would be, it's not right. This is not the way that, that things are supposed to go. And the Bible explains how God works in and through the, the mess of sin in our lives, all, all the while declaring this is not the way God created it to be, that there is a better way. So far, we've seen some, some heroes of the faith who, who really were not all that heroic, right? Um, guys like Noah, who uh, had some good things in his life, and then, you know, like the chapter closes on, on him by, by him really getting drunk and, and falling asleep naked in his tent. And, uh, and as, we, as we read these stories, like, we may scratch our head and go, first of all, I was not told that as a child. And secondly, um, uh, why are these, these heroes of the faith that we have so messed up? And the, the simple answer to that is because God uses messed up people. And it's good because if he didn't use messed up people, he would have no one to use. Right? And, and listen, if you're sitting there thinking, listen, I'm, I may be like the lone exception. No, you're messed up. Okay? That's pride. That's a sin. You need to repent. Okay? And so the last several weeks, we've looked at Abraham, right? As, as big a character in the Old Testament as we have, really, in, in the entire Bible. And yet, he has some significant issues in his life. Uh, namely, he tried to pass off his wife as his sister a couple of times. In fact, uh, in, in the beginning of our passage in chapter 20, which we're, we're, we're not really going to focus on until really we get to chapter 21, but chapter 20, he does that for a second time. We see... Um, God making this promise to Abraham at 75 years old that you are going to be a father and, and Abraham and Sarah waiting around for that promise to be fulfilled and, and after a little while, as, as maybe you can uh, sympathize with and I can sympathize with, they get tired of waiting. And so they come up with a great plan to help God's plan along. Tell you what, we'll just take things into our hands. So Sarah says, you know, I've got this, I've got this handmaiden here. Why don't you have a child with her? And then, then we'll, we'll make that child, child our own. And then we get a child. And, and Abraham, being the strong, godly husband leader that he is, says, okay. 
And we'll see some of the fallout from that today, because as we've said, that when, when we decide that we're going to take God's plans and, and, and help them along, it does not usually end well. Because God knows what he's doing, you and I usually don't. God sees the big picture, you and I definitely don't. I can't, I'm, like, I'm just hoping I get through this next week. Anybody else? So in chapter 20, again, let me, let me lead up to where we're going to focus our time this morning. Chapter 20, um, again, Abraham passes Sarah off as his sister uh, to Abimelech. Once again, just like before, he's, he's found out, and, and Abimelech says, are, are you serious? Like, th- this, is, this, this was the best idea that you had? And, and again, God doesn't give up on Abraham, saying, are, do you trust me so little that, that you think I'm not going to take care of you and, and, and your wife? But God continues to work through Abraham despite his flaws. And then we get to chapter 21. And we have finally this fulfillment of the promise that was made to Abraham. So let's stand as we read excuse me, Genesis chapter 20, verses 1 through 7. The word of the Lord says this, The Lord came to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the appointed time, God had told him. Abraham named his son who was born to him, the one Sarah born to him, Isaac. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made me laugh and everyone who hears will laugh with me. She also said, who would have told Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne a son for him. In his old age. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Will you turn our attention to your promises this morning? And as we look at another scene from the life of Abraham and Isaac in just a moment, will you turn our attention to the faith that Abraham had? Through that, may you strengthen our own faith this morning. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Um, so, so really, I only have two big points, and, and we're gonna, the, each of them has quite a bit to it. But, but, but the first point I want us to understand here is simply this. God fulfills his promises. 25 years after God called Abraham, he fulfilled this promise promise. Now think about that. 25 years. It's a quarter century. Think about all that has changed in your life for the past 25 years. For some of us, it's real easy, right? Some of our teenagers over here, it's real easy to look at all that's changed in your life. Think about it. Now I'll, I'll out myself on my age here, okay? 25 years ago, I was 11. There's a lot that has changed in my life. Okay? Think about that. At the time, Sarah was 65. Abraham was 75. Now, they're 190, respectively. And they're becoming parents for the first time. 
We're told they name this child Isaac. And, and the, the name Isaac in Hebrew means he laughs. He laughs. Now, th- th- think about this for just a second. Um, when we see Sarah's reaction in verse 6, she says, God has made me laugh, and everyone who hears will laugh with me. And what's interesting about this is that back in chapters 17 and 18, she and Abraham both laughed, but for completely different reasons. Because when God came to them and said, you're going to have a child, they laughed in in really almost in a scoffing way, like, are you serious? That ship has sailed. They laughed in unbelief. So this is what it says in in, uh, chapter 17, verse 17. It says, Abraham fell, fell, fell face down. Then he laughed and said to himself, can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? Can Sarah, a 90-year-old woman, give birth? This is from the, the passage we looked at last week with the, with the three visitors. Where they came and, and, and told Abraham and Sarah, this, this is what's going to happen next year. You're going to have a child. In chapter 18, verse 12, we're told that Sarah laughed to herself. After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I have delight? There's a laugh of unbelief. And here in in chapter 21, they laugh because of the unbelievable greatness of God. In in chapter 17 and 18, their laughter was really a reaction, right? And and, and you know that reaction. You you say something, and maybe you've experienced this with your spouse, um, where you say something and they laugh at you, and you know that was not a good thing, right? Like, um, I've had many brilliant ideas um, that did not make it past my, my, my first, uh, um, the first person that I introduced it to because I got that, that laughing response. Okay, never mind. It was, <laughs> it was a reaction. Here in chapter 21, the, their laughter is a response to the goodness of God. It's a laughter born out of joy. In 17 and 18, they, they laughed because of their distrust. And here, believe it or not, their laughter is an act of devotion and worship to Almighty God. God has fulfilled his promise. He's faithful. And, and this also ushers in a new name for who God is. From here on, throughout the Old Testament, God will be known as the God of Abraham and Isaac, and Jacob. And we'll get to Jacob in, in, in time. But this, the name of God changes because of his faithfulness, because people will remember, God, the, the God that I serve is the God who, who gave a son to Abraham in his old age, and that son, Isaac, eventually had Jacob, and Jacob's children become the people of Israel. It becomes a reminder of God's faithfulness. Now, really quickly, in verse 8, we're not going to read this passage, but we, in, in verse 8, we get this kind of aside in the story of Isaac about um, Hagar and Ishmael. Because indeed, what we see here is that, that, God's, or that Abraham and Sarah's sin had consequences. It, it caused strife within their family. And let me just say, our sin still has consequences today. Now, now we know that the Bible declares that that the grace of God removes the judgment for sin. It removes the the punishment for sin, namely eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But but hear me out, it does not necessarily remove the consequences. 
In other words, if you break the law, which uh, the, the Bible would call us to live under the law of the land. So, so if we can use just a real simple example, if you're going 90 and a 55 and you get pulled over, you are getting a ticket. And that is not God's fault. I, I, I've, I've heard a lot of times, you know, oh, pastor, I just don't know why. I just don't know why the Lord's being so hard on me. It's not the Lord being hard on you. You're reaping what you sow. That's a reality. But, but, but he, when we look at this passage, what we see is, yes, their sin had consequences and there was strife, but God still worked. God did not abandon his people even as they're dealing with the consequences of their sin. That's why the subtitle of this whole series in, in Genesis is Characters and Chaos because we see plenty of both throughout Genesis, throughout the rest of the Bible. In our own lives, we see that. God uses messed up people. And God works in the middle of the chaos of our sin. And, and let me just ask, aren't you glad that he does that? Aren't you glad that God works in the mess? Because if he didn't, there would be no work for him to do. Now, God assured Abraham that he would indeed bless Ishmael, make him into a great nation, and he did. And by the way, if you're familiar at all with the Quran and the story of where Islam goes, up to this point, the Quran and the Bible are pretty much on the same track. And here's where they split. The Quran follows the line of Ishmael. Muslims believe that Ishmael was the, was the child promised of God to fulfill his promise. The Bible clearly teaches that God's plan unfolds through the line of Isaac. And, and we're going to see a striking parallel here in a minute between Abraham and God the Father in this very next scene. But, but this, this is an important note that, that here um, the, the storylines of, of, of um, the God of the Bible and uh, Allah of uh, Islam split. And, and uh, those differences are, are stark. So to say that, um, uh, you know, I believe to say that, that uh, Muslims just worship the same God that we do, they just happen to call him Allah, is, is a, uh, there's a lot of danger in, in that statement. Um, because we see those, the two gods acting very, very differently. Um, and and we see a parallel between Abraham and Isaac and Jesus Christ. That takes us to chapter 22. So turn with me to chapter 22. And I'm just going to read this, this passage down through about verse 19. This is an extended passage, but, but I just want us to, to read and, and, and just simmer in this passage a little bit. And let, let me say, this is a disturbing passage. It should, I think it should bother us a little bit. And in the next 15 minutes, I can't unpack everything that's happening here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to, to unpack some and, and how we come to understand this passage. Chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. 
So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship, and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, my father. And he replied, here I am, my son. Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thickets, caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. So today it is said, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, this is the Lord's declaration. Because you have done this thing and you have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the city gates of their enemies. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to his young men, and they got up and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham settled in Beersheba. Now, one of the things that strikes me about this passage is that as you read it, there is zero emotion that's conveyed here. It's just the facts. And so for me, as I was was reading this this week, I, I was... I just, I just sat with, with this passage for a while and I just tried to think through as, as unimaginable as it is to, to, to think through what Abraham was thinking on his three-day journey. What, what he thought that morning that he woke Isaac up and said, let's go. See, we're told that God tested him. In verse 1. And if, if we don't understand that, we'll, we'll miss what's going on. So this, this word tested does not mean to entice to, to sin. So this is not God like, like tempting Abraham to sin. Because the, the New Testament will tell us that God tempts no one. But he does test us. And this, this word test in the Hebrew simply means to prove the quality of. God is testing Abraham's faith. Testing the metal of his faith. Now, we, we don't want to dehumanize what's happening here, as I said. Um, I think oftentimes we, we look at the, 
things in the Old Testament from this side, knowing the end of the story, and we don't wrestle with the, with the pain and the fear that, that's present here. But I also marvel at Abraham's trust, that, that he trusted God to the point that he was willing, if he was asked, to sacrifice his son. This promised son, the one through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed, the one on whom everything depended. He trusted that God was in control. Now for those of us reading this through the lens of the New Testament, there there are several parallels that are happening here that we shouldn't miss or else we're going to miss out on on an amazing, beautiful prophecy of the one who would come. See, we're told that Abraham and Isaac set out for Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah will later become the spot in Jerusalem where the temple is built by Solomon where sacrifices would be offered to God for centuries. On that very spot. Not only that, but just outside the city of Jerusalem, centuries later is where Jesus would be crucified. The only Son of God crucified in the same area that Abraham was prepared to sacrifice his only son. And then don't miss this. It was was really an aside, but it becomes important for us in verse 4. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. That journey took three days. We know that on the third day, The Son of God was raised back to life. Now now listen, there are questions, right? There are difficulties with this passage. We we can look at this and say, why would God ever ask Abraham to do this? Now on this side, we we can look back and we can answer a a few of those, right? We we do see from from God's interaction with Abraham, it was never uh, God's intention to require Abraham to go through with the sacrifice of, of, of Isaac, but it was a testing of Abraham's faith. Was he committed holy to God? Would he trust God's promise and faithfulness even if he couldn't understand it? This is true for Abraham. This is true for you and me too. God does not expect us to understand it. He expects us to obey. Obedience, oftentimes, don't miss this, obedience precedes understanding. See, the, the pagan people that surrounded Abraham were, were, were a people who were involved in child sacrifice. We, we don't know how often exactly, but we know it was a practice of their pagan religion to their little g-gods. They would sacrifice their children. I wonder if Abraham had ever watched this happening and asked himself, would I be willing to do that if my God asked. I believe that, that Yahweh is the ruler of all creation. He's the only true God. Would I trust him that much? 
In Hebrews chapter 11, we, we get a glimpse at, at the, the way the early, um, the, the New Testament writers understood this scene. In Hebrews 11, 17 through 19, the writer simply says this, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promise, and yet he was offering his one and only son, the one to whom it had been said, your offspring will be traced through Isaac. Verse 19, consider this. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. He believed that even if God called him to go through with it, God would be faithful to his promise. See, we we see here that that Abraham was not asked to go through with the ultimate sacrifice. But we also know that later, God would go through that himself. John 1.14 tells us, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the only one, as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We know that Jesus came to live among us. John 1.29, as John the Baptist sees Jesus coming, this is what he declares. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I am. Um, as, as I've shared before, I, I like Christmas music. It's, it's my favorite. And um, typically, I, I wait until November 1st to listen to Christmas music. We, we've talked about that before. This last week, um, uh, an, an artist that I really like by the name of Andrew Peterson um, released a 20th anniversary album of a, uh, of a collection of music that he put together called Behold the Lamb of God. Um, if you're not familiar with this, I highly recommend it to you. Over, over the course of about 45 minutes, he walks through the entire story of the Bible, uh, culminating in the, the arrival of Jesus. Um, so, so that was released on Friday, and, and Friday afternoon I was doing some studying at a coffee shop and, and had my earbuds in and was listening to this. Um, and I don't do this very often. Billy, turn on my guitar. Um, the, the album's called Behold the Lamb of God, so it's, it's about this story. And, and as I came to this passage, as I was reading this part, about Abraham going to sacrifice Isaac. This is the song that came on. And so I'm I'm saying, you'll see in a minute why I'm I'm like trying to hold it together in the coffee shop. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. Behold the Lamb of God the life and light of men. Behold the Lamb of God who died and rose again. Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away our sin. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. Behold the Lamb of God, 
the life and light of man. Behold the Lamb of God who died and rose again. Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away our sin. So you can tell, as I was listening to it in the coffee shop, like trying not to become a total sobbing mess and not doing a super great job of it. I was struck by this passage. That God, who tested Abraham, Abraham being willing to go and sacrifice his own son, and saying, God, I trust you, that if this is your plan for me, I'll walk through it, believing that you're in charge. And knowing that God himself, who stopped Abraham's hand, did not stop his own hand. He sent Jesus to die for you and for me. As the the Bible says in Romans 8.32, he did not spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. Don't miss that. Don't miss the gravity of what God did through Jesus for your sake and for my sake. As Paul declares in 2 Corinthians, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So so my question for you this morning is real simple. First of all, have you repented of your sins? Have you trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, the one who did not spare his own life, but gave it gladly, the Bible tells us, for you and for me? If not, may today be the day Pray that God would soften hearts, that he would break chains, deliver from sin this morning. Maybe maybe you're here and you have trusted in Jesus. So so if if so, let us rejoice in in what God has done for us. May may we never take that for granted and, and get over the fact that God sent Jesus to be the sacrifice for us. And the question is, the follow-up question to that is, who else do you need to tell? Listen, this evening we're going to have all kinds of people come through our parking lot to jump on bounce houses, to eat food, to eat cotton candy, to, to play games, to, to, to get candy that's going to rot their teeth, right? All these things we, we know, they're, they're going to come through our parking lot. And statistics tell us that most people who come through here will not know Jesus. We're in New Mexico. Where statistics tell us that over 90% of the people in this state do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they're coming to our parking lot. My, My prayer this whole week has been that we would have opportunities to share Jesus with someone. Right? As they wait, watching their kids jump on bounce houses, as they eat cotton candy, 
that we'll have the opportunity to share with them. Lord, make it so. Father, we come before you this morning thanking you for the story of Abraham and Isaac, for your, your faithfulness to Abraham, for the example of the faith that we have in Abraham, who trusted you even when he could not understand what on earth or why on earth you'd ask him to do what, what, what you asked him to do. He trusted you. May, may we have that same faith in our lives. That when we don't understand what, what you're doing, we'll trust your heart. And through obedience, we'll come to know you more. We thank you for Jesus, the, for the Lamb who was slain for us. May we who are believers never get over that. May we live our lives out of love and out of joy before you. May we share with a lost and dying world. Neighbors, co-workers, family members, people we encounter tonight. May we share about the peace and the joy and the hope and the life that are found in Christ Jesus. We ask all these things in his mighty, powerful, precious name. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.